0: You, me, and HIFMB, stories of science and the sea. Hello everybody and welcome to the next episode of the HIFMB podcast. Today I had Jasmin Gross and Elena Schall here. They are both from the postdoc team of the alfred Wegener Institute, which is our mother institution basically uh, from HIFMB. And they were here to talk to me about the Wissenschaftszeitvertragsgesetz, The Wissenschaftszeitvertragsgesetz is the longest word in German you've ever heard. And it's an exemption to the Gesetz über Teilzeitarbeit und befristete Arbeitsverträge, which is a law that dictates after two years of being on a fixed-term contract, you need to be permanently employed by your employer. And the Wissenschaftszeitvg is an exemption to this law that only applies to scientists. Why we talk about this law now is because it's being reformed currently, or it's meant to be re- being reformed, and the BMBF, the Bundesministerium für Bildung und Forschung, the Federal Administration for Education and Research, has uh, released some statements where they want to re- how they want to reform this law, and it's being received with a lot of negative backlash, and we talk about this negative backlash and the, the whole story around it. Elena Schall is a bioacoustician, a postdoc who works in bioacoustics uh, at the Alfred Wegener Institute. And Yasmin Groß is a food web ecologist also working with um, marine mammals. They both work with marine mammals. And um, they Yasmin works at the, the HIFMB here and also at the Alfred Wegener Institute. So they are both postdocs. They're representing the postdoc network of the Alfred Wegener Institute, which fits well because the current reform of the Vistzeit VG is actually being most negatively received from the postdoc networks so there's a lot to talk about i think um, the vis side vg is a law that is not c- very well known outside of germany but um, once you're in academia in germany it is a big deal so we need to talk about it and that's what we're going to do here so without further ado i give you elena schall and jasmine Kors. enjoy Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the HIFMB podcast. And today I have uh, Elena Schall from Avi from the Alfred Wegener Institute and Yasmin also from Avi, but also from our institute HIFMB. Today we are talking about one of the longest German words I think that I've ever seen: the Wissenschaftszeitvertragsgesetz, which is kind of an oddity that recently was announced to be reformed by our government. It's abbreviated the Wisszeitvg and it kind of means. What does it mean?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe I take it. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Yasmin. And basically, it is a law that is allowing research institutes and universities in Germany to cut the amount of time that PhDs and postdocs are allowed to work in the academic sector. Mm. So um, you can work in the academic sector for six years prior to earning your PhD, And then six years after um, actually receiving your PhD. So in total, you are allowed to work in the academic system for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And after that, if you haven't gotten a permanent position, then you're not allowed to work in the academic sector anymore, at least not um, at a research institute that hires you. You would be allowed to do that if you have third-party funding to basically Mm -hmm. pay yourself your own salary.
0: This is kind of... Sorry. sorry. So it's
1: a, in summary,
2: it's a, th- the limitation of time-limited contracts. Mm. The, so it, it limits the time that they can give you re- uh, time-limited contracts. So yeah, mm. that's what and the law says, basically.
0: And that's kind of Special for Germany, right? Like, or or that makes Germany special in a way for research, because I don't know of any country that also has this law. Yeah,
2: I think the difference in most of the countries is that there is no law for regulating that you cannot be on time contract for the whole for the rest of your life, basically. Yeah. So in any other country, they just have you on two year contracts until you go to pension. And in Germany, there is a a law that does not allow that. So uh, any company is only allowed to give you a time-limited contract for two years, and then they have to give you a permanent contract if they want to keep you. Uh, And that's the case for engineers, for uh, anyone who's working on administration stuff and everything like this, except for scientists where it's allowed to give us a time-limited contracts for the six years prior to PhD and six years after. Yeah.
0: Which is super weird because Germany has even a law for what you just said. Like the it's called the Gesetz über Teilzeitarbeit und befristete Arbeitsverträge, the TZBFG, <laughs> and that exactly says what what you just said. So that after two years they have to m- fully employ you yeah. and and like get rid of yeah your your uh, temporary contract. But now Germany came up with in two thousand seven, I think came up with uh, an amendment to this law or that kind of undercuts this law, the wisszeit so what we're talking about now. That only counts for science. Exactly. And why do they think that's good? Why do you think they think that's good?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I think uh, the intention there was that uh, if everyone who wants to be a scientist becomes a permanent position directly after the PhD... Mm. After a few years, there would not be enough positions anymore to get new scientists into the system. Okay. So, uh, because, like, population is growing, so more people want to become a scientist. And uh, also, it's unsexy now to do a normal job. It's uh, everyone wants to study, no? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, there are more and more uh, scientists coming after basically uh, like coming into the system and to be able to employ them all somehow they came up with this idea that they yeah can give more temporary contracts to people for a certain amount of time so that it's yeah there's basically flow of personal in in the universities and and institutes
0: yeah because there's the view that people like us postdocs who are on temporary contracts are clogging up the system
2: yeah it's the other way around that professors basically clock up the system. Ah, okay right no? okay if we would all be professors or uh, permanent researchers we would clog up the system ah yes because then the in three years or something or five years when new phds finish yeah there would not be
1: no not be positions for them
0: yeah, yeah 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 gotcha
1: and i think they really also fear that if you don't have any new scientists coming into the system that there would not be any innovation in the system yeah. so basically what they're saying is that everyone who has a permanent position in research is no longer innovative so all the professors basically <laughs> don't have any ideas anymore <laughs> yeah. which is why we need to constantly have new people coming into the system because if you're permanently employed you don't have any new ideas anymore
0: this is super strange like let me give you a, a couple of numbers and facts that i got from you so i i didn't come up with these thank you for bring me those numbers. Um, (laughs) So early career researchers, ECRs, they are about 82% that are on fixed term contracts, that is a median, and with a median of 17 months and with a mean of 23 months. And on average, early career researchers in research positions work under eight contracts in 12 years, that is from a study in 2022. So this is very atypical for any employment situation.
1: Yes, absolutely. And especially if you consider that uh, the median length there was 17 months, the average PhD in Germany takes about 5.8 years. Mm -hmm. And so even if you are doing your PhD research, you usually only have a median contract length of 17 months. So you even need multiple contracts to even finish your PhD.
0: That's right. So this, this same study also did a survey of early career researchers, and uh, 90% of them questioned in the survey that these working conditions are negatively impacting their private lives. 33% postponed family planning because of that, and 19% reported that their contracts ended during parental leave even. That's wild. That should be zero. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Okay. So first of all, who are you two, actually? Like a, a quick introduction of you and, and why are we talking about this topic?
2: Yeah, so we're both researchers at the Alfred Wigner Institute or the hyphen Bay, which is a, a sub-institute of yeah, the of a, the a a daughter institute. Yeah. <laughs> we are postdocs. So we finished our PhD a couple of years ago, more or less. Mm. Uh, have now a temporary contract, as mm. yeah many others. Yeah. And we are supposed to work on science in some like I'm in my case it's acoustics for marine mammals mm-hmm. uh, and fish in the polar oceans and yeah you have usually like three years uh, that's lucky three years I think um, it could also be two year one year contract of a postdoc mm-hmm. and then you're supposed to work on science there and we also additionally take took on um, like yeah a service role basically we're part of the postdoc team so we're representing all postdocs in the Institute to Talk to human research, the directorate, uh, politicians and yeah, um, try to get our needs out in the world and make them understand what we need to have a, a good career, a good work-life balance mm-hmm. and all these things. Yeah. For example, we also want to work on what home office rules are in, in these institutes because we are very international and we are only allowed to work from home in Germany. And a lot of people have families outside of Germany. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and one other aspect is then a big aspect we have been working on is this law. So the Wisszeit VG and what it it does to our working conditions, our private lives and what could be done to make it better. Because there is reform happening right now to this law. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah,
0: exactly. Which is why this is currently at the forefront of science's mind in Germany what exactly happened so so there was a reform in 2016 already to the law established in 2007 um, and now they want to re-reform it
2: yeah because in 2016 not much has been changed and uh, then they have been evaluating what the impact of this law is on uh, people's life on scientific quality on teaching quality especially Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah the outcome of this evaluation is not very positive yeah because I I mean, it's very obvious that you, when you see that uh, people who are always rushing to get the next contract, that the quality of what they do will be rushed as well. So they yeah. will publish anything quick yeah, and they will teach anything quick. Mm. And that's how the quality of teaching and science then looks like.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And that's what they found in the evaluation. Exactly. Yeah, okay, right. I think
1: what they also found is that people weren't particularly happy with having a lack of planning security in their personal life, because if you every one to two to three years have to look for a new position, which in the research area could also be internationally, it is not very easy to have a family um, take care of parents and most PhDs actually finished their project around the age of 30 so just about the time that is yeah the time to have kids um, or the time when parents start becoming elderly maybe needing more care Mm. so they actually found that very much goes against um, family planning and that a lot of researchers don't have any kids because they do not have permanent positions so no security of where they're going to live where their next paycheck comes from yeah yeah or they
2: get kids like it you know, almost 40. Because yeah. then that's the time where you usually get a permanent position. Yeah. If you get one. Mm-hmm. Or you go out of science. And yeah, I don't think that it's by choice. Yeah. I don't think we choose to be old parents. But it's just how we can do it. Yeah. No, and exactly. it's a bit unfair. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Like like it said in the survey, like 33% postponed family planning because of that. Yeah. Um, in comparison to other countries, does this law not make Germany very unattractive for anyone for excellent researchers wanting to come here
1: i think it technically does unfortunately i don't think it's advertised a lot so um a lot of international phds and postdocs coming to germany attracted by a high quality of living standard in the country itself Mm -hmm. Um, we also do not have bad salaries in germany in the research sector but this fact about the this ZeitVG is actually not well-known one. And so people come here not knowing this. and then, Find out about it while they're here. Exactly. Yeah. Then the clock starts ticking the moment they get a contract here. And they might be lucky to get two, three-year contracts. And then they're six years up. And then suddenly Human Resources tells them, oh, sorry, we can't hire you anymore because you've done your six years under the Wissenschaftszeitvertragsgesetz as a postdoc and you are no longer hireable. If you want to continue working apply for some third-party funding yeah
2: but we don't want to point out here that it is good as it is in other countries that you can have a temporary contract forever no mm. because i actually think it is better that they should give you a permanent contract at some point
0: which is i guess what they were aiming at with exactly yeah
2: but then if you don't provide more money to the institutes and universities than
1: how they're going to do that.
0: Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, that part didn't happen.
1: And I think that's also why they're trying to look to reform the law again now because they noticed that their initial plan of bringing people into permanent positions just later isn't working. And then 2016, the reform didn't change anything. And now we still have a lot of unhappy researchers or are actually losing a lot of talent because... The scientists just have to leave the system and so we're losing a lot of very smart people in the academic sector
0: yeah yeah absolutely so um when this evaluation happened did do you know when it happened roughly
1: the evaluation
2: must i think the results were were last year at uh, beginning of the year okay so i guess it took one or two years or one and a half year to do all the yeah.
1: the, the questionnaires and all this but okay yeah. mm-hmm.
0: and then You, as a postdoc team, reacted to this with a petition.
1: Yes, we saw an information event that was hosted by two of the key unions that are representing researchers in Germany. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the information session, they basically called for action. And their call for action was be loud, make your voices heard so that our federal ministry for education and research actually knows what the stakeholders directly impacted by the law want. Hmm. So that's when we jumped into action and started writing a petition. Yeah, Yeah, and that became quite uh, a job, <laughs> 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 I, I, I would say.
0: On top of your normal yeah, job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: I, I would say it took like three, four months to... Um, some hours a week definitely uh, by us two and another german uh, speaker in the in the group in the postdoc team yeah and it ended up to be 10 pages first we wrote it in english and then we translated it to german because to send it also to non-english speakers or yeah, yeah. because the german the law is in german so yeah, uh, yeah.
0: as the long name suggests yeah
2: <laughs> and yeah so um it's not 100% just our idea that just came out of nothing we based our concept on ideas that were proposed before by the junge academies or the young academics is uh, also a it's not a labor union but it's like a union of i would say it's a representative body of early career researchers yeah. Yeah. in yeah. germany yeah okay and what the, anyways in the european law is already defined uh, as who is a R one researcher, so a researcher earning the PhD still and so forth. There are like yeah. stages you have to go through. And yeah, and then we have thought of all these stages from PhD student to professor and mm-hmm. in between and what we think should be the conditions these people should work in. Yeah, Because, of course, if you just leave it to everyone can do whatever they want to, mm-hmm. it will probably not become... A good working condition for everyone everywhere, because yeah. some directors might have more empathy with uh, PhD students than others, and then it's not a real fair system. So that's why you actually need the law in at the end. Um, and yeah, what we have defined there is minimum contract length for the all these stages. For example, for PhDs, four years, because a lot of the the average time is four point four point something years, four point one or something like this.
1: I think for, I think it's 5.8, but we proposed four because that's the international standard. Ah, that's the, inter- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
2: 5.8 also includes social science. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's not just in natural science, it's, yeah. it's lower because we have usually three-year contracts.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um,
2: and then for postdocs, we propose uh, like a time, a reduced time of two to four years where you can have a non-permanent contract. Mm -hmm. And then you should get a tenure track, it's called. So basically they agree on certain goals that you have to achieve within a two to three year period. And then they should give you a permanent contract after that. Mm -hmm. And all these permanent contracts then should not only be professorships, but also for other permanent duties, basically. Mm -hmm. In German, it's called Dauerstellen für Daueraufgaben. That's like the, the slogan they always have. (laughs) <laughs> because it is, you don't only need professors to have a, a working scientific yeah. system no yeah. there are big complicated machines that have to be handled by researchers mm-hmm. that have to be learned new every three years when a new person comes yeah, exactly, know that yes. it makes no sense yeah it makes absolutely no sense and then there has to be outreach we, we are all supposed to do no we have to take our science to to, to to wider public. To wider public, exactly. Yeah. And this takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And it makes no sense that everyone creates their own material every two years new. Yeah. So there should be permanent positions for this. Absolutely. And and so forth. Group leaders, management of projects, all this is permanent work that has to be done. Yeah. Yeah, and this we have defined in this petition, basically. And mm-hmm. then in the end, they are also
1: professors, but
2: yeah, this basically is no change to the current situation.
1: Okay. Yeah. I want to make one thing that we also proposed in our petition was a rewards and sanction theme for institutes and universities, where the rewards would really incentivize the universities and research institutes or the employers, basically, to actually have certain percentages of fixed term versus permanent contracts so that we slowly increase the number of permanent positions that we actually have. Because I mean, right now, 82% um, of early career researchers are on fixed term contracts. That's, that number is way too high. It's mm-hmm. not sustainable. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we also proposed a rewards and sanction system like that, that hopefully would actually help turn the dials in our favor.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent, okay. And I just read through it again, and in your final petition, you, you mentioned that you do not see the abolishment of the, like, you, ideally you would call for the entire abolishment of the Wisszeit VG entirely, but you do not see this to be likely as an outcome of the current reevaluation happening in the Bundestag. Why do you think it's unlikely that it's going to be abolished?
2: First, I think we kind of need an exception to the normal law for PhD students. Okay, yeah. Because otherwise they would also have two years and then they would need to be a permanent contract so before before they even finish their PhD. Right, yes. And there are also still people who don't finish their PhD because they discover that they don't like academic work while they're doing the PhD. Mm-hmm. No? There are people... Who, who, don't, who discover that they don't like writing publications, for mm-hmm. example. And, and then it makes sense that these people don't continue in academics, I would say. Mm-hmm. And for this, we, we need an exception to the normal law. Um, But we we think it could be possible to have uh, the normal law counting from after the PhD, basically, Mm -hmm. so that after the PhD, you could be employed by any institute university for two years on a fixed term contract. And then after that, they would need to give you a permanent contract. Okay. But in comparison to the West side VG, this would allow you to change university or institute within Germany and get a new fixed term contract mm-hmm. so they can evaluate if they like you basically, no? if you yeah. fit in the system. Mm-hmm. So for example, I would be hired at AVI now and I could then, if my contract runs out and they don't give me a permanent contract, I could then move to, I don't know, Osnabrück mm-hmm. or something. And I would not need to move to the USA or not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would be a little bit closer to my family, maybe, or more feasible for... uh, Exactly. Because I might also have a partner who wants to move with me, and moving to a different country might be...
0: Family life. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. And
2: uh, the normal law after the PhD would then allow for this, so that you move between institutes and universities within Germany if you have not found your perfect spot, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. And now, when the six years are over,
1: you cannot get hired at a different university. Right, okay. But I also think they are unlikely to abolish the law completely because they simply don't want to provide more funding for actually creating permanent positions. And in Germany, the big problem is that this law is actually at the federal level, but a lot of our funding for universities and research institute is actually at the state level. Of course. So the federal government wants to use this law to force the states to put more funding into the academic sector, yeah. but that hasn't been working Thus far. Yeah. So um, I think they are unlikely to give up on this plan of trying to force the states to invest more money, but the federal government is also not willing to invest more money.
0: Hmm. Even though this should go hand in hand, I feel like. Yep, yep. Okay. So, and then the evaluation came out, then your petition to the evaluation came out, and then they released the Bundesministerium für Bildung und Forschung, the Federal Ministry for Education and Research. Then came out with an Eckpunkte Papier. So that's like briefly summarizing the reform that they plan, basically. So a brief summary. And what happened then? So they, they then released that and thinking that they might have seen your petition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
1: so what what happened then was a really big backlash because there were like I think five or six um, key points um, that they released mm-hmm. and the points that they released for the PhD phase were actually quite well received because they stated for example that all PhDs should have a minimum contract length of three years so that would be a big improvement to the current median of 17 months Yeah. Okay. but for the postdoc phase they really want to reduce the time that you are allowed to be on a fixed term contract down from 6 years so the current 6 years down to 3 mm. years. Mm. So that would basically mean that you have 3 years after your PhD completion to basically become a professor to to get a permanent position. Yeah. Because there isn't many other permanent positions in the German academic system besides professorships and that is kind of what a lot of people really don't see happening Mm -hmm. a lot of people think that it's simply not feasible within three years to go from completing your phd to getting a permanent position with a lot of responsibility like a professorship
0: yeah yeah what they say what the bmbf always calls it it's like a qualification phase still that you your postdoc basically and if they see it as a qualification phase then you would, in these three years, you would need to uh, simultaneously apply for projects, gain supervision experience, complete research, publish at a high level, and apply for a permanent position within the proposed timeline of three years. So yep. that, okay, great.
2: Leaves <laughs> yeah. no time to, to do science, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, It yeah. is really like this because uh, you... You have maybe a three-year contract, but in the last year you already get nervous that your contract runs out yeah. and you cannot just apply to... A, there are not so many jobs you can apply to. No, yeah. There are basically no jobs you can apply to. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you can do is either make contact with people who might uh, be able to create a position for you or you apply or um, simultaneously probably apply to a lot of third-party funding, yeah. which makes you spend of a three-year contract at least one year of only doing this. So all the money that is going into your salary is basically to apply for more money for a new salary, (laughs) which is wasted money. It's Mm -hmm. tax money that it's wasted. Yeah.
1: And I guess, I mean, if if we're speaking about this qualification, which is the main reason why they say we can be on fixed term contracts rather than permanent contract, that would mean the three of us sitting here, um, we are all still in training. So the three years (laughs) of undergrad that we did, the two years of postgrad that we did, plus the three to four years of PhD that we did, didn't qualify us enough to actually have no, exactly. a permanent <laughs> position <laughs> we're still underqualified <laughs>
0: 10 years at university yeah, but if you then
2: apply to a normal job you're overqualified no if you yeah. try it outside exactly. academic then you're overqualified yeah so yeah it's uh, we are walking a very thin line between <laughs> over and under qualification yeah.
0: there's there's friends that i have who wanted to apply for a um, who have gotten gotten a phd and wanted to apply for a teacher job and they thought they were overqualified yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And that's, I think, one of the main problems that in this law, they name this qualification reason, give you a non-permanent contract mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. And it's written in our, like in our contracts and everything, but there's no definition of what they mean with qualification.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's,
2: like there there's some vague lists of stuff that you are supposed to achieve. But anyways, no one can achieve all the things that they wanna, want to us to, except for maybe workaholics who work really yeah. like, I don't know, 80 hours a week. Um, yeah. But uh, then they go to burnout very fast, so. Uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but uh, it's, there's no definition what, what they want us to be qualified for. Yeah. Because well, habilitation is not the thing they mean. Yeah. If they, if they would mean that, then at least you would know what you have to do. Yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of people habilitating anymore because you can also be a professor without it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in
2: the end, it's a lot of things very random and very vague. Somewhere in the air that you're supposed to be qualified for.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah. right. I thought they meant, or I thought that that could be the only thing that they meant, was that you are qualifying to become a professor. But I guess, no, it doesn't really fly. No. I
2: think habilitation is not very not very uh, up to date anymore. I think not yeah. a lot of people no, exa- are doing it. Exactly,
0: yeah, yeah. And I had a friend who, who did an habilitation, which is, I think it's an old German way of becoming a professor like it's similar to your phd where you write a thesis a habilitation thesis and then you're a professor but a lot of funding bodies don't acknowledge this habilitation anymore and now you're, you're kind of she ran herself into a oh, Einbahnstraße in German. Dead, end? dead end thank you um in, into a dead end where she was habilitated but then there was no funding for an habilitated professor basically yeah. to continue working
2: yeah and i also don't really see what this habilitation how this increases teaching quality yeah because uh, they should rather learn how to trans transmit information to yeah, exactly uh, to a new generation than yeah. writing another thesis
0: yeah exactly Write another thesis I, yeah. was, I was just gonna say that and plus not everybody at the qualification phase we're currently in wants to become a professor anyway exactly. yeah no. some people i've talked to many who who are quite happy in this position as a let's say full-time researcher and would like to continue this
2: i mean i see the problem that i think most people if they can choose would choose full-time researcher yeah and then not a lot of teaching would yeah. be happening no yeah yes. it's just more attractive if you can do your own stuff on your desk and in your lab and no one criticizes you you don't have to confront other yeah. other people no we're not the most social people maybe at least biologists <laughs> are not and uh, chemists and physicists no uh so yeah. Uh, mathematicians so um, i think there has to be maybe a more flexible system that you don't have to be a full-time professor or full-time researcher but there can be mixed Mm -hmm. i think that would be healthy because then you would not be overwhelmed and overfed with only teaching yeah uh, and bored maybe also by doing over and over the same thing every year but you would actually have time to do some research next to it and you would also have some new Thoughts and new findings that you could actually transmit to students, mm. yeah, right? To exactly. make it more interesting and yeah. not uh, talk about the same thing for thirty years. Yeah, and I think that would be probably the smartest way to go—to mm-hmm. just allow for fifty-fifty uh, or twenty-eighty uh, or whatever, no yeah, percentage yeah. of teaching versus yes.
0: research. Sounds yeah. great to me.
2: And then the habilitation thing is also kind of a lot of effort if you only do twenty percent teaching yeah. or thirty. No, it's, it's like yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, So I I was wondering who, or always, this thing, this Eckpunkte Papier by the BMBF came out in March. And when it came out, I was wondering, who are they advised by? Like, Many people noticed I got a joint statement from the postdoctoral networks here. And they noticed that the active participants in the pertinent discussion were not postdocs or very few postdocs. Like none of the large German postdoctoral networks were involved at all. And yeah, since it's shooting, well, shooting in quotations directly at postdocs, why weren't postdocs involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah
1: that, that's a really good question. Um, I think uh, currently, who is advising the Federal Ministry for Education and Research are a lot of people who are more representing the employer side of things rather than the employee side. Yes. So a lot of stakeholders, for example, were involved in a discussion regarding those key points for the reform because there was so much backlash on Twitter, Mm -hmm. um, about these key points. Mm -hmm. And the people who sat in that debate were mainly heads of universities, heads of the big research um, communities in Germany. Um, It was uh, people who are sitting in German funding bodies that provide funding for science uh, research. But there were really only two people that were... On the postdoc side of things, one was a representative of the Ich Bin Hanna um, um. sort of initiative. So the Ich Bin Hanna initiative is a Twitter campaign started by a few early career researchers when the Zeit4G really sort of kicked off and people saw how bad it is for their career. So they started to be vocal about the troubles that they're facing with mm-hmm. the law. Mm-hmm. So they had one representative sitting in that debate and then they also had one other representative from the Junge Akademie, so the Young Academics, which we already mentioned before. Mm -hmm. They represent early career researchers in Germany as well. And those were the only two people really sitting in that debate that represented postdocs a little bit, but both of those were also not really PhDs or postdocs.
0: Yeah, they were junior professors. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So... With this Eckpunkte Papier, there was a, oh, that's in German, I can't translate this on the on the spot, um, like a, a statement by professors who are siding with the postdocs in this case. And they mentioned in their response to the Eckpunkte Papier, they mentioned that there is apparently a larger restructuring of German academia happening and that this is supposed to be a lever for that. So, so kind of kickstarting this whole thing. What are they talking about? What do you think they're talking about?
2: We have also uh, sit in, in some political dis- discussions, and we have met with the labor unions. And what they mean is that everyone basically agrees on that we don't need all this money in third-party funding, mm-hmm. because there is a lot of money in this. This money is only possible to give for fixed-term contracts, because mm-hmm. it's always restricted to the project length you get for this. You get this funding for and all this money could be redistributed to universities and institutes to create permanent positions mm. or at least a big part of this money we don't say or a lot of people say that a big part of this can go to to yeah the the general uh, money a university gets yeah. per year or uh, per funding period yeah. uh, to create permanent positions instead of going into projects and projects and projects that always run for years and yeah. never achieve what they pretend to achieve because you have to compete so much. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's, that's this general restructuring that they mean that the money has to be redistributed in a different way. And mm-hmm. so that permanent positions can be
1: created from from this money.
0: Yeah.
1: I think what they're also referring to is that the German system or what they're trying to aim for is to slowly shift the German system towards a more Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. system. So right now, for example, professors usually write a habilitation to get their professorship. And they're already changing that in the system a little bit more so that they're offering tenure track positions for early career researchers that do not include a habilitation. So that's, for example, one of those shifts. And another one of those shifts is actually that in Germany, we do not have a lot of lectureship positions. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're also trying to aim to have more of those permanent positions that are actually with a higher teaching load and less of a research load to bring those into the system because right now what we really have is we have a lot of early career researchers Mm. and then we have professors and we are really kind of lacking the middle in Germany because we do not have lectureships like they have for example in the UK in the US
0: Um, yeah I feel like that Anglo-Saxon adaptation or or that move towards the Anglo-Saxon way of academics is, is in large part Maybe to blame a little bit, because the habilitation that we spoke about before is still a, like a remnant of the previous old German way of doing things. Or like the like in some universities a couple of years ago, you could still get your Dr. Reanat, which is like the German way of a PhD, mm-hmm. equivalent to a PhD. But a lot of those old German things like habilitation, Dr. Reanat, they stick around. But the new Anglo-Saxon things are coming in as well. And um, now there's like a mix and nobody really knows how to mix this properly because it's not really very well mixable
1: yeah i think we already had that kind of first transition phase basically i think by the time we sort of all started university because um, i think we were sort of the first generation that actually did a bachelor's and master's in germany Mm -hmm. before that people always used to do a diploma Ah, which was actually like the diploma was a german like uh, university degree that was five years in total and you wrote your diploma, and then you were qualified for a lot of jobs that required a university degree. And then they split it up into the bachelor-master system like they have in Anglo-Saxon countries. And yeah, we which is more adaptive, I feel. Exactly, more yeah. Flexible, we yeah. were yeah, the first ones you to You can do that. go abroad for half of it, no? If you do yeah. a diploma, then you're kind of stuck
0: yeah. in one
2: university. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So I feel like the Anglo-Saxon restructuring or adaptation is a good thing, but the old German ways are sticking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> We're a slow-moving country.
0: Yeah, sometimes. Okay, and then towards all this negative press and the negative backlash on Twitter and the uh, statement by the professors and the, the petition by you, how has the BMBF or how has our government reacted to this?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think the Ecke I think, came out on a Friday. Um, <laughs> and like even... Over the weekend, there was so much backlash that they actually retracted some of the points in that Ek Papier. So it was a very quick turnaround. (laughs) They noticed how unhappy people were um, with what they proposed. Then they held this debate to hear again people's opinions. I mean... By that time, they had already been working on this mm. for um, almost a year. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what kind of advisement they got during that time. But Probably,
0: oh shit, we should have asked postdocs. Yes,
1: <laughs> but then they needed that other debate. And yeah. now it's back to the drawing board again. And we're not expecting anything before the end of the summer, kind of, in terms of okay. a new Eckpunktepapier or Papier or like, a more detailed version of the reform.
0: Yeah, but what's the next likely outcome for this? Or what do you think?
1: I mean, um, I have a s- my slight suspicion is that we actually won't end up with a lot of change in the postdoc phase. I think they will stick to the points that they made for the PhD phase.
0: Oh yeah, the, sorry, is the three years they didn't get retracted.
1: No, they no? didn't get okay. retracted. So the PhDs will probably get the minimum contract length of three years at least. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I think postdocs will just be stuck with the status quo. I honestly don't think that we're moving much because people didn't really like the three years. Mm-hmm. Um, they also don't like the six years. So we might have a number in between three and six, or we might actually stick with the current six. Um, I don't see a lot of improvement for the postdocs actually mm-hmm. coming out of this. But
2: Yeah, I also I would agree that I think the law itself would probably stay with this, but this whole debate... Will hopefully move something because in the end, often these politicians in these discussion rounds also say the wisszeit side for gig cannot change all the things that we want to be changed. Yeah. Okay. Because it only regulates the contract length exactly, for yeah. uh, for scientists, but it does not regulate where the money goes to. Mm-hmm. No, it does not regulate if how many third party funding there is. It does not regulate if a university has to create a permanent position or not. Yeah. So yeah, there will be changes or I hope there will be changes beyond the Wisszeit VG, Mm -hmm. the distribution of money, the definition of other career stages uh, besides professorship, so permanent researcher, management, all this. Mm -hmm. But this will take probably years and I think no one is so sure about where this actually has to be regulated because a lot of it is regulated on the state level. Yeah. And to make it fair so that all the states kind of uh, on the same page
1: will be complicated. Yeah, I really hope we get some definitions out of the process, at least so that we know what the qualification actually is, because exactly. it's yeah. not defined right now. And I actually saw a very interesting post by a German politician who basically said that this law is an exception to the rest of the German law. And to have an exception to a law, you need to provide really good reasons. Mm -hmm. And he actually thinks that they haven't provided really good reasons why we need this exemption. And there's a few other things that this Zeitfolge regulates besides the contract length. And one of them is, for example, that we're also not allowed to be represented by unions. So we actually cannot unionize oh. under the Wisszeitvg. And he actually said, like, there is absolutely no reason why there is an exemption that early career researchers are not allowed to unionize. So there's a mix of things going on, but I really hope we get some definitions out of it. Maybe we get out of it that we can actually unionize because there is no good reason why we shouldn't be allowed to do that. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think otherwise it's not going to change much for us.
0: Now, with having read the statement of that German politician, do you still stick with your statement from the petition that you think it's unlikely to be abolished? Because it sounded like maybe it's going to...
1: No, I think no. it's unlikely that they're okay. abolishing it, to be honest. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, because they would need to redistribute the money before. Yeah. And otherwise, if they abolish and they don't redistribute the money, then there will really be a lot of people with a PhD... On the street yeah. from one day to the next, more yeah. or less, no, because okay. they don't create new positions, which the law can't do, but it has to be regulated uh, over the states and the university regulations on all this. Mm. Yeah, then then it's
1: just seeking us out earlier, basically. Yeah. Yeah. and a lot of people would have reason to sue for a permanent position. Oh yeah, because if you've been longer in your position than two years, then you would have reason under the normal law to sue. To get your permanent position. Yeah, so. but
2: for this, they can do like a um, Übergangslösung. Oh, like a, a like transition Transition phase, phase yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, they could, but I still think they're also quite worried about people suing.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay, maybe. Okay, you said that maybe we were going to hear something from them again in summer. Maybe we can hear from you again in summer, because normally we interview our guests and like we go into their CVs a little bit, like I want to know about you two as well. Mm. So perhaps we can keep each other updated on this and the podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we can happy. do that. We'll, yeah. we'll see where we're going. Great. Yeah,
0: let's hear about this again because it needs to be talked about.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Thanks so much for coming.
1: No thank worries. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah.
0: Next time again in summer or sometime after <laughs> that. After summer. Probably. After summer, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much.
1: Want to dive deeper? Surf over to hifmb.de or follow us on Twitter at hifmb underscore ol.